Welcome to Better Equipped. I'm Cody Balch, and I'm excited to jump into chapter six of Ephesians. So let's let's jump right in. We're going to be pulling from things that have already happened in chapters one through five, particularly chapter five, because in chapter five, verse 21, Paul had just said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then the last episode we dove into, he immediately applies that to to marriage, to husbands and wives, and and what does it mean to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ? So if you if you missed that one, I'd encourage you to go back. It doesn't negate what you what you're going to learn today if you didn't catch that, but um, I, it's it's really really important what what Paul has to teach uh, in in the last bit of chapter five. But again, chapter twenty one sets the tone for husbands and wives submitting to one another, uh, children and parents submitting to one another. And it also applies to masters and slaves or, or those in authority, particularly in the, in the working world. So we'll dive into that in more detail. So hang tight as we'll get to that uh, more specifically. So we get here to chapter six and it starts with children and then it goes to parents. Then, it, then it'll go to, to uh, the slaves and masters. It says, verse one of chapter six, children... Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Okay, he, he's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, and, and he's pulling back from that and from the Ten Commandments, and he's saying, listen, it is fitting for you, it is, it is right for you as children to honor your father and mother, to obey your parents in the Lord. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Children obey your parents out of reverence for Christ. It's that it's that same heart posture, and and uh, he wouldn't say these things if it's not something that is challenging. Um, so for those of you listening who are not uh, under age, that you're adults now, um, think back to your growing up years. How'd you do with that? Um, and then now some of you might be parents now. Uh, I'm a parent with four children, and um, man, it is. Life, life goes a lot better for both me, but also for my kids when they are respectful, when they're obedient, when they honor me and my wife, Micah. But it says this is the first commandment out of the 10 commandments. It's the only one that comes with this, with this promise. Okay. It says, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Um, Again, it's like if a child who has a better chance of doing well in life and experiencing less heartache, not no heartache, less heartache and more joy and, 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 um, I'll even say this very intentionally, good fortune is a child uh, that obeys and honors their parents, that listens to their parents, that doesn't fight against them. Okay, so I understand that most of my audience at this moment is not children watching this video, okay? So you're thinking, all right, Cody, like I get it. I want my kids to obey me too. 
Now, check out this next part. And it's, it's talking to fathers. Mothers, don't tune out because the same principle would apply. It, it, it might look slightly different, but it may not. Um, it says in verse 4, fathers, so it goes from children to fathers. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Okay. So don't exasperate them. Like don't, don't just keep screaming your head off and always being frustrated and yelling and flipping out and, you know, constantly losing your temper because children are going to test you in that. <laughs> like that's going to be potentially be very difficult, uh, because they're children. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll look at my four-year-old and be like, you act like you're four years old. And he's like, I am four years old, you know, like, or like they're going to act their age most of the time. And, um, what happens though, is when we do that, they, they start to tune us out. It's not that they don't need discipline. It's not that they don't need correction, but, but there's a difference between when you cross that line into his wording, you know, exasperation. Okay. I just, it's this exhaustion of, of just being like, I just can't, I can't take this anymore. And they don't have much power to do anything other than just tune you out and kind of check out. And that's not at all what you want. And that's not at all helpful for them and their development either. It says instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now that's a pretty broad, broad phrase, train them up in the instruction, in the training and instruction of the Lord. Well, chapters, you know, four and five talked a lot about very tangibly what that could look like in your life. What does that mean? It's not just parenting, but you know, this character that you should have. And, and I I think the more you're connected with the Lord, the more you're going to have the capacity and the wisdom to, to train your children up in the instruction of the Lord. I always tell parents, you can't give your kids something that you don't have. You want your kids to be patient? It's hard to teach them patience when they don't see patience exemplified in their parents. You want your children to not be so angry or flipping out or yelling they're learning it a, a good portion of it from not just their flesh, but also from the examples they see in us. I mean, how many times the parents out there, have you seen your child do something and you go to correct it and then you realize, oh, that looked just like something I just did five minutes ago. I mean, really, we're kind of just grown up children a little bit, like we're trying to not be, but there's a lot that we need to understand. And the instruction of the Lord is, is, is not just only the verbatim truth, although it is, but it is our embodiment of that truth, our example of that being lived out, not perfectly, but genuinely around and toward our children. My, my wife and I, we always talk about how important it is to ask your kids for forgiveness when you, when you blow it. When you mess up, whether it's t- directed toward them or not, when they witness you or they're aware of you, um, just, just not getting it right. Part of your in training and instructing them in the Lord is to model humility and repentance 
and asking for forgiveness, admitting that you're wrong. This is a huge, huge opportunity and a huge deal to your kids. It kind of goes against the exasperation side. And when they see humility and a softness and a repentance out of you, um, when they see you coming to them asking for forgiveness and not always, hey, I'm in charge, you know, uh, you, you just... I was going to say, you just obey me and you just bow down to me. I'm kidding. But like, listen, they need to see humility out of you. That's, that's the kind of stuff. That's the good stuff that, you know, they're, that's going to rub off on them. Monkey see monkey do. Well, they're going to model a lot. They're going to live out a lot of what you model. And so I'd encourage you to, to think about what is it in my life that I don't want to be passed on to my kids? What is it that I need to find transformation in, in my instruction and training with the Lord so that I can model that and train my kids in those things as well? This should be a huge motivation for parents in their own journey with the Lord and their own quest for for transformation to look more like Jesus is they're literally kind of the blueprint. Oh man, it's so humbling, isn't it? the blueprint for what our kids are probably going to start out in life, kind of looking like, acting like. Their mentalities, their attitudes, their heart postures. We don't get to control a lot of that, but we have huge influence, especially in these younger years with young kids where they're watching mom, they're watching dad, and they're saying, all right, this is how I process life. This is how I process the world. This is how I understand God and how I understand my own attitude towards God and towards others. It comes through parenting. It's a huge high calling. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to do that. But I encourage you, don't get exasperated yourself and give up in the, the, the instruction and discipline that you need in order to be able to instruct and discipline your children in the healthy and proper ways, not exasperating them. I, I think, you know, you're, you're t- if you're too hard, that you, you know, your kids just kind of check out, you know, they run the other way. And um, how often has that been the case? Maybe it's been the case for you when you were a child with your parents. I, I don't know. Um, but there's a way to still hold to the truth, to still not let it be a free-for-all, and, and yet not exasperate, not, not, um, have this, this super legalistic hard line culture in your family. So I'd, I'd encourage you to think about that. The next one, um, is tougher, you know, in our minds, the way that we process it, you know, parenting is much tougher, I think practically for a lot of people in today's day and age, but we dive into the next part in verse five and it's, it's talking about slaves. So you are, you might already, I might already have your attention there. Slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. I, I think this is kind of the thesis statement that he wants you to get, but he's going to break this down a little bit and kind of a little bit more detail. But here's the, here's the reality. Before you go, wait a second, is he condoning slavery? And I'd say... No, especially if you read Paul in his uh, larger context, all of his writings on the topic of slavery, he'll say, listen, if you are able to gain your freedom, do so. Like, like it's not that he just wants people to be slaves, but the reality is that the context that, that Paul is in, in the Roman Empire, in the first century, 
Um, listen, Paul's in prison for preaching the gospel and in Ephesus, like it's estimated that one third of Ephesus was living as slaves within the Roman empire. Okay. So before you check out and say, you know, he's, he's promoting slavery and he's not, but he's speaking to a huge context of the, of his audience that he doesn't have direct control over. Okay. And again, you can read more like Philemon and there's different areas where he talks about slavery and masters and things. But the point is, is that, you know, for you, it's probably not, you don't consider yourself a slave and you don't consider your boss a master, but there's a reality that there is authority that you are subject to. Okay. Some of that would have been indentured slavery. Some of it not. It's even if it was indentured slavery, it could still be abused very poorly. People still would have been treated more like properly, but it wasn't quite like what we think of as American slavery. It, w- it was a little bit different breed, but not dramatically. It wasn't quite Egyptian slavery either, but it wasn't good. And I don't want to pretty it up any more than that. I just, I'm just saying, don't miss the message here that we should hear for our lives. Slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear. Yeah, you're a slave and they're the master, but respect, have respect and fear with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Because you got to understand, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ is because Jesus didn't need to submit to us and didn't deserve to submit to us, yet he humbled himself and became obedient as a servant, even obedient to death on a cross. So, so we need to understand that, that in this life, it's a part of the, the blueprint that our heavenly father gave to us in Jesus. It's really important that we understand that he's not just pulling this out of thin air. We look at the life of Jesus and we're like, ah, that's really interesting. He submitted to his father. He submitted to to others. He submitted to the governing authorities, even to the point of death, even though he could call 10,000 angels and wipe them all out. He still had a humble and submissive servant heart. And as Christians, we're called to be slaves of Christ in a beautiful way. Like, so like we've got to, we've got to kind of understand as, as Christians that this is, there's a part of this in this life that, that we need to understand. Slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Okay, this is, this is again the heart posture. Verse 7, serve wholeheartedly. He's mentioned heart like multiple times here. This is about your heart with the Lord, not just your earthly position. He says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people like directly, like, man, I know it's this person and they're not the Lord and they're not perfect, but I'm going to serve them the way that I want to serve the perfect Lord over my life. My master, Jesus He levels the playing field in a second. Hang with me. But he says, you need to serve them the way you'd serve the Lord with your whole heart. Woo! Obviously, with the exception of if that person is asking you to do something that is disobedient to God. 
to his will for your life. So that's always the caveat anytime it talks about authority in scripture. Um, he says, you know, serve wholeheartedly as if you were just serving the Lord, not people, because, verse 8, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Verse 9, and masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Okay, whoa, 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 wait, 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 let's, let, let's not miss this. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Okay, in the same way as what? Uh, slave, you know, respect and fear, sincerity of heart, um, you know, doing the will of God from your heart, serving them as though you were serving the Lord. This is the same heart posture he wants us to have because God's going to reward us for what we do. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them. Since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. This is significant when it comes to this topic. He's saying, he talked to slaves, then he turns to the master. He's like, listen, same standard for you. You have the authority from an earthly standpoint, but don't abuse it. Don't threaten them. Don't, don't, don't be harsh with them because you need to understand that the same master they have in Christ is your master too, whether you acknowledge it or not. And there is no favoritism. He's not going to, He's not going to think lesser of a slave and more highly of a master. He's not going to think lesser of a work worker and more highly of a boss. He says, listen, I'm master of all and I show no favoritism. So zoom out for a second. And, and if you know, don't completely let go of the slave master thing, but you need to zoom out and say, who do I have at some level authority over in my life? that I get to make decisions, that I get to make, whether that's, again, parents with your children or husbands with their wives, maybe a little bit, or in your jobs, or even in, in church settings or other things. Listen, you need to understand that you are under the master Jesus, and he is your judge. He is your ruler, and he shows no favoritism, okay? So you might have the freedom to abuse your authority here on earth, but you do not have the right from God and you will be held accountable. Okay. What ended up happening as, as Christianity continued to grow is that um, much of, and not completely, because obviously we know how history played out, but there was a Christian, the Christian influence really continued, even as it came into America, continued to push back on this idea of slavery, particularly the slavery that we think of. Um, and, and really pushing back on this idea of, of, hey, that is not something that, that is okay. That is not something that's from the Lord. You can't really be a master the way that people think of masters over slaves uh, and serve the Lord. There's something that is in, contradic- in, in contradiction. So you can have workers ser- you know, serving under their bosses. And that's kind of why we changed all that language. Because we, we don't like that, that terminology being associated in a, in a workplace. I get it. And, and I'm totally for the new terminology, you know, that not slaves and masters. But what he's getting at here is, listen, there's going to be earthly authorities that are not going to always be easy or comfortable, not always going to be the ones you'd like or choose. But 
out of reverence for Christ, you still need to submit to your authorities. He goes on, you know, in other places in Romans and, and things like that, he says, submit to the governing authorities for these have been placed there by God and his authority. And he's the judge over them. But listen, we have to have this level of respect, even when it's hard, even when it's not ideal, even sometimes when it's getting abused. I mean, it's not that you want that. And there's places to fight against that abuse. But like, there's a place where we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, who submitted himself even to die for us. And so, again, we're going to zoom back out on all of this and just and, and say, where's our heart with the Lord? Do we trust the Lord enough to submit to people in the ways that we should? Do we still believe that God's sovereignty is holding all of that in a way where whatever needs held accountable will be held accountable? Are we using our places of authority and influence in ways that are honoring to the Lord and that, that we're, we're, I mean, we're doing it as though we are serving God himself directly. I think, um, I think this is, you know, this is challenging, whether it's from a parenting standpoint or from a working authority standpoint, these are things that practically, um, we really got to chew on a lot of people I know talk to me a lot about parenting and their job. And so I think these are really pertinent if you can understand the principles at play here, which is you don't just show respect when people deserve it. You show respect out of reverence for Christ even when people don't deserve it. You show grace, which isn't merited. I mean, this is the this is the kind of stuff that doesn't make sense to our flesh, but it makes sense in light of who Jesus was and what he did and what he's done for us. And so I, I hope this encourages you. Next, we're going to head into to chapter 6, verse 10, and it's going to help us look at putting on the full armor of God and the spiritual warfare that we need to be really in tune with. And so I'm ex- I'm really excited to dive into that. And I hope this has been a blessing for you. If you have any questions, reach out to me at betterequippedwithcody at gmail.com. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe. Make sure you, you, you know, you're, you're engaging. If you want to leave a comment, you can leave a comment. And uh, I hope this blesses you and encourages you and equips you with the grace and the truth of Jesus for your life. We'll see you on the next episode.